0: This is To The Point, a rhino experience, voted one of the top home services, marketing and operations podcasts, cutting through the bullshit and getting
1: to the point.
2: Hey, what's up To The Point listeners? It's the host of To The Point Home Services Podcast, Cristiano, and I have my co-host, Mr. Tall Paul Redman on. Tall Paul, how you doing, buddy?
0: Chris, any better I would be you coming off a fresh two-week <laughs> two-week relaxing vacation yeah. somewhere in South America where you looked like you just kicked back for a couple it's weeks. Right, man. So no wonder your energy's so high. That's
2: right. Peru for two weeks. You know what? I learned that my uh, Spanish is still no good. It's no bueno. See what I did there? It's pretty good. When
0: I saw your pictures, and I saw day one, hiking boots. Day two, hiking boots. I was like, this is going to be a lot of work, uh, hiking f- kids up a mountain.
2: The fact that I had to buy hiking boots tells you something because... I have my, like my Timberlands. I went, I remember I got invited on a hunting trip and I wore like my Timberlands and they made fun of me for wearing a pair of Timberland boots. So I bought a pair of Columbia boots. I kind of felt like I was tall, Paul getting ready. I even had like a rain poncho.
0: Did you have a fanny pack though?
2: I did not have a fanny pack. No, that's then where you I draw the line.
0: Then you were not prepared. I well, welcome back, man. <laughs> the the company survived without you. So apparently you've been listening to the podcast and applying things. Over the I have last
2: been. Yeah. We have having great guests like the so we, ones we have on today. So I'm extremely excited and listen, listeners, you are in for a real treat. Uh, For those that are listening that attended Rhino X, um, you got to meet both of our guests on today. One of them has been on before, Mr. Frank DeMarco, a friend of mine for years, um, came on, told his story. But now we've got Leland Smith in the house. Literally, both of the guys sitting right in front of me, well, kind of, off to the side a little bit, but both sitting in In the studio studio today, and I'm extremely excited and grateful uh, that you took the time to be here because I understand that... uh, Time is your most valuable asset, and <laughs> I is. can appreciate that so much. But I want to go ahead and welcome Frank Demarco, Leland Smith, Service Champions and the House. Guys, welcome.
3: Hey, thanks for having us on. Thank you, sir. Are appreciate you ready it. for
2: round two, Frank? It, I <laughs> would ask you the same question
3: <laughs> <laughs> after an hour and 30 minutes of history last time. <laughs> I'm not sure if a... you're
2: ready for round two. <laughs> Listen, I'll tell you what, the, the volume of downloads and uh, streams on that tells the story. So apparently everybody else was cool with it, too. Ain't that right, Kyle? House. So Leland, but this is number one for you. I'm excited. Yes, I think the listeners are going to be really excited to uh, um, you know, to hear from you and to hear your story and to, um, and really not just your story, the story of Service Champions and then kind of beyond. And and, and some of the questions that we've prepared, I think, will give them um, a really good indication to what you guys are all about, what Service Champions is all about, what Leland Smith is all about. Right. Um, the folks that didn't get to come to Rhino X, reaching out to me to give them uh, the video footage of it, I give it to nobody. Like you had to have been, got to come. That's right, yep. and that's the deal, you know. Yep. And so, twenty twenty two around X is going to be great. Leland has committed to to come back. Assuming you'll come with him, free. absolutely. Um, Guy here has committed. Geiger wants to come in. He felt he right. had he had FOMO. He was missing out. <laughs> he he had FOMO. DG was that's on right. the. DG was the only one missing up there. He had FOMO, so he is like, hey, I want to come to that. You know that. Conferencing you did and I'm like yeah we'll invite you back the one person that hasn't responded to me yet was Goodrich but I know Ken well enough to know that he ain't gonna miss out so he'll no, probably be, he'll here. be there but it'll be nice to have Kenny back um yeah. over and all you guys you know here and we'll probably do that um late first quarter of next year something nice. on those lines and listeners don't worry when it comes time we'll roll it out it'll sell out quick we're gonna keep it small kind of like we did last time I thought that was more meaningful and intimate um, but let's go ahead and get into it, Paul. Like I said, you know, usually I ask a bunch of openers or icebreakers and stuff like that, and I'm not going to do that because it's not necessary. We got Leland Smith in the house. That's right. right. So we're going to get right into it. Paul, you want to go ahead and lead Leland into it? Wow. What an honor. You're, I thank know, you. man. You're welcome. You're welcome. No, don't I, mess I, it up.
0: I <laughs> appreciate that. So Leland, thank you for joining us. We're excited to to hear your story and share it with our listeners. So why don't you do just that? Why don't you tell us your story? And what we ask every guest is, how did you get into the trades?
1: Um interesting. Um when I was a younger kid, my father did antique cars and Model A's, Model T's, and I was the only child that he was very sure the hand tools didn't fit in my hands. I can relate. Because I wasn't good at it. (laughs) And but long story short, I went to University of Kentucky, I got an accounting job and I knew I wanted to work for myself, but I didn't know what I was gonna do. So while I was an accountant I got my real estate license and realize, okay, that wasn't what I wanted to do, but I would come out to California to visit my brother who was working for my uncles in plumbing. And when I got back one time, my brother called me and said, why don't you come out to California and work with me plumbing? Again, tools in the hand, plumbing, okay. But long story short, I did. I came out and worked with my brother Craig and um, he started his company. and I worked for him about about a year, a year and a half, and I started my own company at that point.
2: And what, what, what year was that? Um, I
1: came out in 79 and, yeah, 79. Okay. Okay. That's when you were born, Chris. That's when I was born. Yeah, I
2: was going to say, I was thinking about you. (laughs) (laughs) Appreciate that. (laughs) Okay, so you started working with your brother in 79. What was the name of the company?
1: Uh, Mine mine was Allied Plumbing, Heating, and then we taught somebody to teach us how to do air conditioning. Got it.
2: Okay. So even
1: today, I, I always tell people I'm the least technical person in the building. Uh, I realized when I started my own company, and after I caught the second house on fire, um, <laughs> I probably wasn't the best plumber that was out there. So I came in the office and let the other people do that. So that's when you
2: became <clears throat> really self-aware that that might not be for you. Yeah, I'm more when the office guy.
1: <laughs> my father was right; tools don't fit my hands. Fair so, enough. So after that, um, you know, obviously Allied, we ended up selling it to a consolidator in the late '90s. Worked for ARS for a couple of years, and once my non-compete was up by March of 2000, I started Service Champions.
2: Wow. So, can I back up for a second? Sure. Um, so, you said you're talking about the consolidation with your brother and with Allied. Um, because you weren't handy with tools, like Tall Paul, um, <laughs> you... <laughs> you But you did understand the business side of it really well. Like that's the part you got. Right. And how about, was it more of like operations and finance? It was, what was like the more role, like the roles that you took on?
1: Well, I was an accountant. My father had five stores, Smith's Dollar Discount stores, and I worked with him. So I understood the business side. I understood numbers. Um, I was good at that part of it. Like I said, I just wasn't good on the technical side. And, you know, as anything, when you open up a business, you got to start learning. You got to learn. And I'm still to this day learning about what I need to know,
2: and um, so it was a growing process throughout all that. Got it. So now we're into 2000, mm-hmm. and um, and Service <clears throat> Champions uh, is alive. Right. So let's go from from there. Like, what's how's that start to progress? <clears throat> because arguably, I mean, so South Florida, Phoenix. South Texas, I mean, I'm sorry, Southern, Southern California, South Florida, South Texas, Phoenix, these are extremely competitive and hard markets. Um, so at least you picked an easy one right out of the gate to get after it in, yep. uh, in Southern California, but let's go ahead and talk about that. So from 2000, what does service champions start to uh, morph into, or what's it look like?
1: Well, I planned a lot because um, just the name, I wanted to be the champions of service. Hence the name service, champions. And to do that, to have techs that are great, I knew I had to pay the tax better than anybody else in the industry, at least in the area, which I found out later, we're paying better than anybody in the industry. And if you pay your tax really well, you can demand that they take care of customers extremely well. And what we always, even to this day, we want them to take care of the customer better than anybody else, and a little bit more. So client
2: fulfillment is absolutely number one.
1: Right, you've gotta find something, and we have what we call good deeds for free. We encourage our techs to find something in the house not associated with heating and air conditioning. Do something. Look for a light bulb that's out. Look for batteries for a smoke detector. Bring the garbage cans in. Anything at all. There's hundreds of things these guys do. And we encourage them, and we share those in all of our meetings. And they don't get paid anything for it. But they know if they do that little extra that's different than anybody else out there, that relationship will build with that customer. They'll keep coming back and they keep coming back. So early on, it was we wanted to pay them the best. We wanted to make sure we gave the best to our customers. And I always said, you never have to worry about the company. If The techs are doing their job. Customers are being treated right. We're, we're fine. And that's really where we started. When I started day one, it was just me in the office. Uh, <clears throat> Jim Dotson uh, is our top sales guy and he's still here today after 21 years. Had two techs, two installers, and that's where we were. And we grew
2: from there. So you said Jim? Jim Dotson. So yeah. he's been with you 21 years. Yes, sir. So people don't stick around for 21 years <laughs> if the job sucks. You know what I mean? If you're not being taken care of, if they don't feel cared about. Yep, right. Um, I love that you said do good deeds for free. I, I, we, basically, you give without expectation, which can be difficult to do. Um, but I believe doing good is good is good business. Um, so I I, lo- I like that you adopt that because it's you <laughs> – offering up help on something that you that the homeowner knows that you have no benefit, like financial gain from right. those things. So I get it. So um, let's keep going okay. um, because that's still a far ways away from 2021, right. okay? So let's keep going down that path.
1: Well, you know, even when we brought in investors, one of my texts said, what if they figure out your secret sauce? And I said, we don't have a secret sauce. The, the key to what we do, and i tell Frank this all the time, what we do is really easy. It's just easier not to. And that's what a lot of people do. They know what to do. They know what to do every day. They just don't do it every day. Uh, you know, I always say we're a maintenance company. We just happen to do 85% replacements. And we're, every month we make money. Every month we keep our guys busy. We never send a tech home 12 months out of the year. They're never sent home early. We have that work. But we start at the basis about memberships. And that was the relationships more than anything that we wanted to get in that house, build a relationship with that customer. So if, if we didn't sell them anything that day or we didn't sell a system that day, they're going to call us back. We made a strong enough impression that they got involved in a membership, they're paying a monthly fee, and they're going to come back. And that's where our success really came. And we just kept on doing that over and over again. Originally, we just marketed for tune-ups and we had a good hour and a half tune-up and Today, I see companies constantly do a 20-minute tune-up or 30-minute tune-up. But if you're going to do a tune-up, it's going to take your tech a good hour, an hour and a half to do it right.
2: Is it, it's because they're the, the reasoning or what they're using it for, the hook to get in, right. and it's kind of a half. Oh. Yeah, well,
1: it's the right way to do it, if I could go ahead. But it's the right thing to do. And it's hard. And that's why people start cutting corners and they make it less. So the customer gets less and less impressed because if you have a guy comes in and does a bad one, then your guy or our guy comes in and does just a killer tune-up and takes everything apart and gets the customer involved and show them what they're doing. And you start coming up with recommendations. They have a tendency to listen to you more. They might not do it that day, but you get two or three times in a row the recommendations. They'll say, okay, I've heard this. Let's do this. But you've got to produce the same product every single time you're out there And that's some of the failures I've seen is one tech could do it right one or two days and it'd get tired and he will cut short and he will do five or six tune-ups in a day. Really the reality, you can't do more than three in a day to do it right. Four at the max if you're running a really long day. But it's it's that consistency. And it's also talking about Jim Dodson about sales. You gotta do the same sales every single call. I always like to quote Steve Smith. He's another one been with me 20 years told me one time, I knew I wasn't going to sell this customer. Absolutely. There's no way this customer is going to buy. But you know what? I'm going to practice. And he sold it. And they've got to get it out of their head that don't prejudge, not on their house, not on their car, nothing. Go in and do what you know to do. Do it
2: consistently, and you'll be an extreme success. I love it. So don't judge a book by its cover. Frank, what were you going to say? You're going to chime in.
3: I, You know, look, I grew up doing this. And we would say back east, there's there's no way you can make money doing an hour and a half tune up, right? right. Because you, you're trying to get through the tune ups. So I get to Leland, and Leland says to me like in the first couple of weeks I'm there, he like, look, you gotta, we're, we're we're not a repair company. He's like, we're a maintenance company, and we do, like, we got to see we this do tune repairs, we do, yeah, that we do repairs. But these guys don't like go in like, everybody has these things like what we're gonna include in the tune up and not. Every single time a service champions goes out to do a tune-up, like they tear the system apart. I mean, they pull everything. Blower motors, I mean, to, to the point where Leland has them, they wax the unit, right, because people don't know what you did. And they say, nobody's right. ever done anything like this. And you have to show the value because back, right, you get the swings in, Leland uses that phrase about being busy. I, I say we're either busy or really busy. There's no such thing as slow. Right? It's, But to do that tune-up the right way when I got there was an eye-opener. Watching guys, I'm like, how do you spend an hour and a half? And Leland's like, how do you not? And it was a complete shift. You are obligated to tell the homeowner what's going on in their home. And mm-hmm. that hour and a half tune-up, I mean, people see you like they see these guys outside. They're they're pulling stuff, cleaning. They got the condenser pulled apart. I mean, there are seven steps in the tune-up with like six sub parts each in each <laughs> step. Right. And and Frank Spear, <laughs> one of the guys in Steve Smith, like they get irritated. They'll argue over, like, section six, part (laughs) B or C, which one, like, when do you bring the vacuum in to show you're cleaning? I mean, but it's that detailed, but they have to see the value. And at the end of the day, I love that phrase, and you guys, I said it on the first one. Leland Smith says it's easy, it's just easier not to do it. Guys get discouraged, they start to cut corners, and then they say, this system doesn't work. And we're like, well, hold on a minute. Are you doing everything? And are you engaging the customer? So... I just think it was pretty unique when I came to the West Coast, especially with Leland, how different it was.
2: Yeah, well, I want to I want to um, chime in for just a second and re- how we relate there is, you know, I've been in this business now. The digital, well, for those maybe listening for the first time, I'm the CEO of a company called Rhino Strategic Solutions, which is a digital marketing company, but only for the trades since you know 2008. So a long time. I'm kind of in. The, I mean, I'm in. This is my. I'm in the same business as you guys, just in a different capacity. Right. But people would ask me why would I go and do like a, a keynote or go do a breakout or even do this podcast and share the things that, that we do. Yep. Same reason because it's people will listen, they'll take notes, but then they won't actually go and do it because it's difficult or not do it consistently. Right. Cause it's a lot of work. I mean, you guys have been able to kind of get to know us in our operations. There's a lot of people here because that's what it takes to manage this beast. Um, but the reason I don't mind sharing is that most people just don't want to do it.
1: Just know Whenever we see that not happening, it's never the tech's fault. We go straight to the manager or the owner. They're not managing it every day. Every day you've got to look. You got to, I mean, I used to look constantly the time each tech spent on the call the next morning. And if somebody spent their 47 minutes, I'd go to the manager, go to the tech, and go, there's no way he did the tune-up. And we yeah. would address it. So they knew I was looking every day so they wouldn't try to shortcut it. And you can tell, the numbers start dropping off or they're not turning leads or they're not producing revenue. They're cutting short on the tune-up. And customers see that. And Like Frank said, we're talking about waxing the unit. If we didn't get them totally involved, they walk by and they see something different. They see a nice, clean unit, and that's just a mental reminder. Hey, we cleaned it up and we did it right. And it needs it. You know, Edison, all the, all the utility companies, manufacturer companies expect that and they want that. And we do it the way that it's supposed to be done. And we just don't cut corners. You waxed the unit? Yeah. For real? I'm fascinated. Wow.
0: Yeah. I skipped my, I'm a rule (laughs) follower. Okay. I skipped my seasonal maintenance this year because (laughs) last year I watched the technician perform it. And I looked at the pamphlet that he left me that said they were going to lubricate this and pull the, do all these things. And none of that happened. It just, right. they never went inside. And so I skipped my maintenance this year. So it's actually bad on me, right? I'm the one that will ultimately suffer from that. But I think we could probably do a full segment on the perfect. Well, notes. mine did, but you um, know
2: who did mine?
3: It better have been done right. They know they're listening. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, those guys so, are killer. <laughs> they know. <laughs> r- my
0: bo- quick, mine looks fo- good. <laughs> real quick follow everything Ringy does looks good. Um, real quick follow-up question on tune ups Cause like we could spend the whole time there. I know we, that's not the intent of today. Um, gosh, there's just so much there when you, when you partner with a new company and you go in and you say, Hey, by the way, one of the things we're going to be doing is a 90 minute tune-up. What does the staff, how do they respond to that? What do they, and then how, how do you integrate that?
1: Well, in our case, and, and we're doing it now for the last 13 years, I've never hired a competitor's tech. They have such bad habits. They don't show up. They think nothing about leaving at lunch and just not coming back, not treating customers right. And I just got fed up with it because the system's easy. Do a great tune-up, earn the respect, make recommendations, and one out of three or four would say yes. So it was such a bad people in our competitors that they didn't manage these people. So 13 years, we've trained every tech we have. We have, I was just told yesterday at Service Champions in Brea, we have 420 employees. But I used to say before all the numbers happened that we have 200 techs and 190 we taught ourselves. So it's much higher than that now. But we have a 14-week class and we've taught every single tech in Brea how to do the tune-up. And they don't know any different. And the key thing is that's what they know. So we teach them how to do that. We teach them how to turn leads. We teach them how to... Park your truck, you know, put a booty on, but don't put the second booty on until the customer opens the door because they'll think you just have gray shoes on. So you've got to build that value. Then what to say, how to walk to the thermostat. Don't touch the thermostat. Have the customer turn it on. Has, have them tell you what's going on before you even get involved in it. And all those things we teach are just really basic stuff, easy stuff to do, but you've got to do it each time. And that was, that's a big, big difference of what I've seen other companies do. We don't teach that, or they all go out and try to recruit all the your competitors, and we get recruited all the time because everybody knows. At least in Orange County, we we're train. Get, yeah. we train, and you yeah. got and our worst guy would be their best guy.
2: Got it. So, so. are you bringing in? <clears throat> excuse me. Are you bringing in people who have zero yep. skill set, and you're training from scratch? We, from scratch? For Thirteen
1: years, I think we've hired one or two sales guys, and every tech is none. None. In fact, before COVID, Frank and I were the last ones to interview. 15-minute interview, they'd have the three of them, and Frank and I would walk in, and in five minutes I would know if we're going to hire the guy. Did he smile? Did he have eye contact? Was he pleasant? Was he laughing? Was, I mean, just would my wife buy from him or would my daughter be afraid of him? And if he's got that personality, we can teach the technical. You just can't teach the tech, I mean, the personality. And we, we do classes. Used to do 20. Now we're up to 40 or so every 14 weeks. And you know, first week I learned this from Dave Geiger, all role play, and we'll lose one or two because they don't like the role play. Second week I want them in an attic. I want them to know how hot an attic is. That you're in an week attic. Week two, yeah.
2: <laughs> get them get him out. Uh, yeah.
1: And you lose one or two. So now you got a core. They understand it's going to be hot, but these guys really truly come out after a 14 week class making eighty to hundred thousand the first incredible. year, and and beyond that, and these just a great job for these guys or girls that want to come in and learn a trade and really not have to go to school for four or five years.
2: Yeah. That's mm-hmm. something we've been trying super hard using our own influence to really exploit how great of an opportunity it really is. Once you can get past this stupid stigma of it's not a great, you know, it's yeah. not se- whatever. I'm so sick of hearing it. Yeah. But blue we've, color. yeah so we've been trying yeah. to push that and use whatever influence we have too. It's good to hear that because You know, we have. um, I had people reaching out to me who are new in college that listen to the podcast, which is pretty cool, um, and saying, "Well, how can I get connected with these guys? Who has their own trade schools? Because what they like is that they can go to a single organization, get trained, and they're really just training for their position, but they're getting paid to train, and then they know what their what their um, career path looks like." Yeah, which is in, which is important, too. So it's a 14. It's a 14 week school. Right? Mm-hmm. 14 week, we pay them
1: 14 weeks. They're in and out of the truck with ride alongs their last week or so. They're actually in the truck by themselves. And if they're not performing, we bring them back in. We keep on working with them. Once we know that they're performing at the right level, then we'll pass them off to a service manager.
2: all of this with SmartAC.com. You've got to check it out now. So when you guys, br- I'm sorry, I'm going to jump all over the place for just a second. Sure. Um, so when you guys uh, have a partnership, you bring in maybe like a Ringy or a, or uh-huh. Jeff or like whomever it is. On the loop. Sure. But do you, um, do you have to start to w- serve it? like make them like service to j- it? Like how does that, uh, how does that integration you know, work? It, it,
3: it's a it's a really good question back to Paul's question to us about one we're investing in just really great businesses. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, Travis, you know, his team, Garrett the GM there at ProSkill. I mean, those guys they get it. They're aggressive, they're polished, you know, they want to be better every day. We don't come in and say like here's here's the here's the manual and here's the truck that service like they have a lot of great processes. What we want to say is, hey, why don't you take a look at what we do? And then somewhere, and most of them during due diligence, Leland and I are spending time saying, hey, how do you do this? Or how do you do that? We don't come in. We don't want to unload a, like a, a group of things to do. They're already a great business. We just think we can tweak some things. We don't take the existing staff and say, you must now do a 90-minute right. tune-up. We'll say, hey, here's the benefit to doing that. And then slowly over time, what we find is they're already intrigued, meaning the management staff. And Leland says this, and I i don't want to take his time from talking about it, but when the leadership believes it then and they buy in, then the rest of the team will. Because those businesses we invest in have great leadership. I mean, they really do. Yep. Lou at Hobaika. I mean, these got, just in this market. So what they love is this 14-week class if they aren't already doing it. <laughs> Look, next year, we're going to train 1,000 trainees. Like, that's what's in the budget for yeah. 2020, 1,000. That's incredible, yeah. I mean, it's going to be three regional training centers, Northern California, Southern California, and Brea. We're looking at real estate right now here in your right in your backyard because <laughs> we need, we need 30,000, 40,000 square feet to train, you know, 80 to 100 guys every quarter in each one of these. And it's the recipe he used 13 years ago. That's not to say we don't have great people in the businesses right now. It's just saying, hey, a lot of those guys will say, hey, if I if I do that, I can impact my outcome and my and my income. And so they start to get open to it. So we we do not have this philosophy like, here's a truckload of stuff. Start doing it. We want to slowly look again, invested in great businesses. Keep doing what you're doing. See if we can help. And I think that's you know that's what we want to do with it. And
1: the good thing is. We have them fly down if they want. If, you know, It's hard to believe if you've got techs for 10 years making 80 grand, and I'm telling you our new guys are making 100. It's hard to believe. So we fly down. We fly, we'll pay to the fly them down, ride with the guy for a day, and see what he does. Same with the salespeople. Any position, we really encourage them to come down and see it happen. Without Frank or I there, just by yourself, ask questions, talk to anybody you want, but learn what we're trying to do. Then we go back and I think this is a key to our success. is it's a team effort. We never come into ProSkill or Hobaika or any of the companies that we deal with and say, this is what you have to do. We walk in and say, what do you think about this? This is something that we've done. This is how it's worked. This is how it's worked over here up in Northern California and different places. How do you think we can make it work for you? Because you like Frank said, you got to get the owners, you got to get the managers and get that buy-in then they'll buy it and
2: they'll sell it down. But can just go into the tech and try to sell it up. Yeah. So I know quite a few of your guys's partners, obviously from just from being in the industry a long time too, and so I understand like the characteristics of those of those right. people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I asked that question. I asked that question on, on purpose just to kind of, yeah. you know, any myth that might be out there, what it looks like, and that is it's more of an excitement of okay, what else can I what else can I learn? And I think even when you and I were talking, Frank about, um, and I, because we talked about Travis. Is they even had some things on the what the plumbing side that maybe you were able to pick up? Yeah. So, but it's all like this big family of man. What are we learning? What can we take from this? You said it right in the beginning, Leland. On you're you're always trying to constantly learn, right? Um, And and you can pick up things from people and implement it into the overall family that makes you all better.
3: We're putting our GMs on calls two days a week with our four regional directors. We Mm -hmm. we want them to feel like they're part of a team. Like we want them to feel like, and Leland has been very clear with this. If somebody has a better idea, that means to your point, even service champions doesn't have all the answers. I talked about this when we first got on Leland Smith and Dave Geiger ridiculously successful because they never thought their business was doing as well as it should be doing. And they listened and went in and said, we as suck. opposed to so many owners <laughs> that say like, I got it all figured out. That specifically those two guys, don't say their business is running top dead center. They say, man, we we're, we have eight and $10 million months just in Brea and Leland's like, why wasn't it 12? You know, like we didn't, yeah. you know, and Gary Reed is longtime GM there, but I, you know, it's that camaraderie with them on a call. We It's a 30 minute call. How you doing? Are you ahead behind? What can we help you with? Yeah. And those people start to talk. We want them part of a team. We want them to feel they're competitive, but we cheer for people who do well, and we're going to support the people that are that are off the pace, and what can we help with? Can we get someone there to help you? Can we look at what your offerings are? That's, they're great businesses. We just want to make them, we think we can help make them even better. That's what is really, it's really cool to watch it. And now these GMs all kind of talk amongst themselves. Hey, that's cool. I want to start my underground. I need to teach guys yeah. to do, you know, run the cable and start to clear drain so I can do it you know, more home services. Great example. Didn't do plumbing. Got a plumbing manager and this guy is fantastic. Went from doing, you know, they're doing 50,000 a month. They're doing 250, you know, within, you know, six, seven months of this guy getting on, but talent, personalities, camaraderie, that's what we're about. And I think you're bringing up a really good point. People that are out there that think Leland hears this, we hear it a hundred percent of the time. Well, I don't know what happens if I end up, you know, quote unquote, selling Selling my business. And we're like, It's a great question. Leland's first thing is better know who you're partnering with. Yep. And, you know, the top people in the industry, certainly we feel like we're we're at the top of that scale. But we're very complimentary of those people also doing what they're doing in our, you know, Dave Geiger, Ken Haynes, Ken Goodrich. I mean, those are top tier, know how to operate businesses, long time experience in the business. They're just good people and find out what works for you, but we don't want to come in and tear apart. We saw that 22 years ago <laughs> with some other people doing it. Lila and I laugh about it all the time. I mean, that was a bad model. That was a, I'm that aware. Was a bad model. Yeah, I'm aware. <laughs> it's a different it's a different model, you know,
2: smarter. <laughs> well, what I love is that what you guys are talking about is um, you're almost hitting a couple different um, – things that I think are extremely important on why somebody would even want to be a part of the Service Champions family, that's why I'm going to reference this, <coughs> is that one, you pay exceptionally well. Right. That's one piece of it. And so, yes, that might be what's important to most, but it not, might not be what's important to all. Right. Um. Also, how you make someone feel, being cared about absolutely matters, and, and you can't fake it. Right. I think you got to make sure you genuinely care. There's just no way that, that you two can do that at scale. To everybody, so you have to have good leadership in place. But right. there, there—I mean—there are ways you can relay that message. But so I think that the fact that you pay extremely well is is very uh, a key ingredient to the, the what your guys' big picture is success because you got to have bodies. Right? Um, how you treat them is great. But what I also love is that, and you talked about this a little bit at Rhino X. Leland was the uh, um, some of the the eight I think it's the eight promises that service champions has but so it's not just we pay you well we take good care of you but we also client fulfillment is your job right and so what can you talk a little bit about what those eight promises are that because if I'm I'm an employee that makes me feel good that I'm doing that I'm doing good business you
1: know it's a lot of we call them the peace of mind guarantees and some of them are basic some we came up years ago like better than you found it um If we leave your house the least bit dirty, we always guarantee we're gonna leave it better than you found it. If not, we're gonna clean your whole house. But probably the one thing that sets us apart that people say at times they do this, but they don't, is we have a happy money promise. Basically it says, if you're not happy, we cannot make you happy, you don't have to pay. We'll tear out a system, we'll give them the repair for free, we'll do whatever it takes to make them happy. We're not gonna leave a house unless the customer's happy. No matter what? No matter what. And and we empower from the tech, the new tech down and up, if you're at a home and a customer's unhappy, don't ever leave. Do whatever you think you need to do, but treat them like family. Make any decision in that situation, if that customer's upset, what would you want your mother treated like, or your brother, your sister, or your grandfather? Make that decision. I don't care how wrong it is, we'll support it. If it's a bad decision, we'll help you make a better decision next time, but don't leave. If You got to feel like you got to give it away free because you made a mistake or they misunderstood something. Just make them happy and then always try to wow them to give them a little bit more than what it is because we want them to come back. So we empower that to our call center agents. If they're on the phone and a customer is upset, I don't want them to hang up until that customer is happy and wowed because if it gets to me, it's going to happen. Yeah. So... If they've got the power to do it at any level below me, why not do it? So those are the key things. You know, we've got different warranties, but I think that's the one that stands out the most, that we try to push the most, that if you're not happy, you're not going to pay. You would now, think that no
2: employee would want that to roll up to Leland Smith. <laughs> yeah? well, figure it out. well, let me just tell you, uh, you're right. They don't. I would imagine
1: because they I w-
2: exercise their right to.
1: <laughs> I can do drywall. Yeah. <laughs> So what I always tell them, I said, if they get to me, it's probably going to be for free, and I'm walking down the hall looking for Frank or somebody. <laughs> Who in the hell didn't do this before? Why did it get to me? Because everybody's empowered to do what I just did, sure. so it should never have to ever get up to me.
3: I think. Oh, go ahead. Okay. I was going to say the biggest coaching I actually have to give, I shouldn't say coaching for the new partners, but even you know our our regional directors came from some. Uh, I've known these guys for a long time, but. We're not in the business of like, it's not debate with the customer. doesn't mean we shouldn't have a dialogue with them. But if they're upset, it's it's pretty clear cut. What what makes them happy? It's really not that difficult. Customers believe today they're calling up and they think we're going to fight. Somebody wants. Well, do it, no, that's what they expect. That's what they. Yeah, I mean, that's what the industry, what has, the industry yeah. has has established. The bar is so low on customer service in most industries, not just ours. You could step over the damn thing without even noticing it's there. That's how low the bar is. I agree. And so, again, all the great companies seem to be doing the same thing. But let's not get on a phone and debate with somebody. Why are they unhappy? There is something else, by the way, might <clears> be going on in their life, and you don't know what that is. You might be the recipient of something else try to figure it out. Leland's specific background is, or what he tells everybody, and you you talked about this just a couple minutes ago, it starts with him. And then it has to trickle down through the entire organization. When you tell people, just make the customer happy. That doesn't mean we just want to give away hundreds of thousands of dollars. What it means is that customer is so important to us. Quite frankly, our employees are so important to us. We have an obligation to take care of them. And it's really very simple. I, I tell the story well, the first I was there for like a month, I walked into Leland's office and I had to go visit a job with one of our salespeople. Nothing that the salesperson in my opinion did wrong, but clearly there was a issue, you know, that they had in, in their opinion. And you know, it was like a it was like a ten thousand dollar refund. Now we don't do many of those, but I, I happen to go on like, Oh, sure, the first one I'm on. <laughs> yes. I walked into Leland's office, I'm like, he goes, How'd it go? I said, Hey, I gotta give ten thousand dollars back. Like no no missing a beat, no anything. He's like, What could we have done differently? Not how'd you give away ten thousand dollars? You've been here a month. It was, what do you think we could have done differently to to avoid that? And that's the philosophy you have to put across to the to you know fourteen hundred employees in the business today, and they have to have that. It's it's ultra ultra important.
2: Though. So no, you're not saying though to um, and I one I, I very much respect that. Um, we do similar similar stuff here too, but our job is to, to is to make sure that we don't just concede you still have to educate to make sure, sure you're doing making the right sure decisions.
3: i would say i mean leland does it the best if you heard him on the phone with a customer i mean it's a, it's a very simple conversation
1: how can we make you happy I mean, it's, the key it's that thing that is i've never had a customer call and complain that didn't have a reason yep. i've never had them call and complain to me <clears throat> that we missed it three or four times we could have made them happy and customers don't call just to complain something's going on and that's my biggest thing is to get people to realize, fix the problem. The problem's a manager a tech or somebody that dropped the ball, fix that so it doesn't ha- happen again. And those are the things that I think we really succeed at is stopping the problems. Um, not worried about taking care of the customer, giving money back. We do whatever we got to do. Just so that it doesn't happen again.
2: So do you, do you empower everybody to accountability is big here, right? So is to make it okay for them to fail and admit it. I did mess this thing up. And so that way they don't think like, man, I don't want to say anything because then I feel like I'm going to be reprimanded for those things. So do you also like uh, put that out there to where somebody knows that if I do mess up, it's just better for me just to say, yeah, I did mess this thing up. Is that trying to cover it up?
1: I'd much rather hear that than try to cover it up. Because same. If you acknowledge a problem, you can fix it.
2: Faster. You it's hide faster. the problem,
1: it's still there, and you're going to still do it. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. The freedom to
0: make mistakes.
2: That's yes, right. sir. Paul, okay man, I'm, that. I'm not, not, too <laughs> not too many of them. A few. Not too many of them, right? Only get, um, you only get so many. <laughs> yeah, you
1: can't do the same mistake over and over again. How many Chris, strikes <laughs> How many strikes do you get? <laughs>
2: no, I, I don't keep track. Exactly. <laughs> exactly.
0: All right. I, I'd like to, if I may attempt a transition to talk more about growth and strategy, but I want to acknowledge something that's a quick takeaway early in this conversation. Chris, I feel like we've invited like Bill Belichick and Tom Brady in <laughs> and we're asking them about like, tell us everything about the dynasty. How'd you create this? And they're like, well. We did the right things every day. We blocked really well. We tackled really well. We tied our shoes really well. But the takeaway here is that everybody listening to this right now, like everything that will put you, not everything, but many of the things that can put you in a position to run a dynasty like this are within your control today at one employee, at two employees, at three employees and 300. But um, anyways, I'll back up a moment. I I do want to talk about kind of, um, you know, service champions, you know, 2000 era, you're growing the business again. At what point did you decide to one scale into other markets and two become what you are now, which is, I want to say one of the largest, if not the largest brand in the country. Is that right?
1: We're probably one of the top two or three. I know we're the most profitable of, of oh. the top ones, but, um, <laughs> um, ask, no, ask me this next year and I'll say, yes, we are number one. Okay. I'm doing it. Rhino i I'm asking. All right. In front of your peers.
0: That was, <clears throat> that was a powerful, subtle moment there. Well, No, it's true. Um,
1: so what was your first question? <laughs> <laughs> when, did
0: you, when did you decide to take a business that you figured out and you were growing and, and doing well? Um, when did you decide to scale into other markets and to become the, you know, the big brand you are today?
1: Um, well, first of all, I've always thought we're never not going to grow. And that's what Frank was saying. Is when we hit a $5 million month, I said, why didn't we do six? I mm-hmm. think we did 8 million last month or this month. And I'm saying, why didn't we do 10? But in a sarcastic, joking way, but, you know, we're very good, but we're always better. We always can do better. There's always things. So we're always growing. And um, I think in January of 19, a private equity group approached us and um, offered us a price that I thought I'd get in two or three years. And I agreed. And at one of the points, um, uh, this group looked at me and said, how do you do this? We've seen hundreds of financials. I've never seen a financial this strong because we, we were forty-five million at twenty-two percent profit, and they hadn't seen it. And so twenty-two points—that's easy. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody listening right now is like, "Easy, <laughs> it is easy." Uncle Joe told me if, <laughs> early on. He said, "If they're not complaining about the price, charge more." So. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I'll, I'll go back what and tell you, you. <laughs> March of 1992, CSG Group, Jim Abrams and John Young, they taught me what we're doing today. Do a great right. tune-up, turn a lead, be the higher provider of the market, higher priced in the market, but provide that level of service to your customer. So long story short, uh, the private equity came in, and we had a goal of $260 million at and a $40 million EBITDA, and we we're going to do it in three to five years. 18 months, we hit 280 at 80 million, 60 million, 60, 60 million EBITDA in 18 months. And we knocked it out of the park. And then they brought in our current group, Odyssey, and um, it was pretty exciting. And they want us to double or triple, and we're at double rate into this
2: year. So they basically you know. said, okay, okay, we get it. <coughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's keep going.
1: So, But, yeah, to get into it, it was, you know, there's companies we say no to and that we look at, and we just know it's not a fit. Sure. And, you know, I always, when I talk to an owner, I'll tell them, the money's important, but what's most important is two other things. What's your life gonna be like after? Who are you gonna work with? Can you get along with them? Do you share the same philosophy? So we really share our philosophy about paying the most, hold people accountable, structure, customers have to be taken care of, and the company's always there. And the second one is about, about the employees. Everybody loves their employees. And we're not in there, and they, they don't get it, but we're not coming in to fire everybody and just disrupt everything. We're going to come in and let this business sit for at least 90 days just to observe. And there hasn't been a single company yet that I've not walked in, small or large, that I've learned something. And we pick up that. We, we study the company first. We study what they're doing, what they're doing good. We ask them, what do you think you guys do really good? And what do you think you need some help on? Then we work as a team. It's. I mean, I've got a title of CEO, which I hate because it means nothing. I've got one vote. We've got an executive team of four people, and I'm one vote. I'll give you an example of a company we looked at, and I said, no, I don't want this company. The other three said yes. Mm-hmm. So we moved forward on it. And I, I didn't have the dictator. Uh, I didn't have the veto vote. <laughs> but, again, it's, it's working as a team, I think, more than. Anything that they see that that um, that we're there to help them, and we're near we're not there to hurt the employees. We're gonna when I when I come in and talk to the guys in the field, I tell them you'll never make a dime less, but I guarantee you'll make more money you've ever made in your life. Give us a couple months to get to that, and we will work work that up. So I think that's a lot of our success is that um, we we just want to come in and make it better. And people fear that, and we try to overcome that as much as we can, but. I give you an example. when We went went from the forty five million to two hundred and eighty million. We didn't add a body. We didn't have any district. It was Frank and I and Katie and Daniel. We were still running Brea, and we ran another two hundred and forty million dollar companies at the same time. So we were working pretty hard. So once we I like got you the said second forty five <laughs> to yeah. <laughs> So when we did that, we just worked hard. But now we got the district managers because it's too much for Frank. And sure. So
2: I hope that answered your question. Yeah, that was actually a, a great response. Yeah. <laughs> Paul, did you have anything you want to piggyback on that? So
0: 2019 is when really that that process started. Um, yes, sir. What do you miss from the days when it was just the Leland Smith show when you uh, answered to yourself?
1: Um. I don't think I ever answered to myself. Um, I've always said this: <clears throat> when I got to twenty million, I've never ran a twenty million dollar company. I ran a, Never ran a forty million. I've never ran a three hundred some million dollar company. But you surround yourself with people that are as good as you are, if not better. Mm-hmm. So when Frank and I partner up, I hired Frank. He's just as good as I am, but he's better. And I've got people who've been with me long term. Katie, our CMO, has been with me sixteen years. Gary. Our GM, 16 years. i got Barbara, our main dispatcher. 30 years she's been with wow. me. Um, I mean, just different people that have been there. And the, I think the key thing, if people don't do this, if you want to take one thing away, I think it was my key to success. I've always surrounded myself with people that were bigger than I was. And always the peer groups or whatever you want to call it. Uh, Kevin Cummerford and I started this. And we even I did it before with his father. We'd get groups together, and we. So the last 15 years, Kevin and I've had a group of a six or seven companies, and we would meet every sometimes three months, every six months, but every month we would share financials, and we would talk every week. And any problem that I would have, I could share, and I'd get six different answers back, maybe six different ones too. So you pick which one's the best for you. But when you're sharing financials, and you can go down and see exactly where you're broken, and go in and fix it. That you can know you can improve. That was the gift that was given to me to have friends like that. And Morris Jenkins was part of it. Uh, Dewey was there early on. Uh, Milestone, um, you know, Kevin, and just different people that were really good. Um, and Horizon, Dave, and Mark were part of it until they went up and sold. And um, you can't learn. You always got to find somebody better than you. And if you're if you're a ten million dollar company, go find some twenty and thirties. But make sure get them to share the financials. It cuts out the BS. There's a lot of guys out there who love to brag about all kinds of money they're making, and they're not making it. Yeah, they're talkers. And but if you're willing to share a financial, you can really get into it, and everything's kind of opened up. And that's I think that's one of the keys to my success is that I had people. But when you get to the top of the group, if you're the forty million, and everybody else is twenty. Go find your sixty and eighty, and that's where I came in Horizon. They were. 80 and 100, and here I was just a little tiny 40 million and uh, learning from Dave and Mark. So I think that's what you have to do is get outside of – I don't know any of our competitors. I, I just never really thought about them. It's just outside the market. What's out across the country?
2: Losers focus on winners. Yeah. <laughs>
1: winners focus on winning. Well, you're, you're the loser <laughs> at the bottom, but you got to <laughs> find some winners.
2: Yeah. I think what I heard out of that, too, is um, – there is a vulnerability in sharing your financials, Mm -hmm. right? Because like, then the veil is up Get under the hood. You can see it all. It's
1: hard to BS doing.
2: And so, but the, the big win from that is if you're vulnerable enough to share those financials and know, like you got room to to grow. um, The big upside is, is you now let somebody in who's done it, who can help. And you're not talking about fake numbers. We're talking about real things, but can actually find, yeah. Like, find the issues and, and, or at least pinpoint where some of the issues are and fix them, whether it be sales or ops or whatever it is. But that's what I hear is like, you got to be vulnerable to do it. That's one hell of a peer group, by the way, that you yeah.
1: <laughs> you're a part of. But you got to think, just a shocker for me was uh, I learned from a peer group. One of our groups, I won't say which one just yet, but they asked for like $2 million from a vendor to sign a three or four year contract. And I thought, nobody in their right mind would do it. So when Kevin and I did a contract, we asked for a million dollars, and they said yes. They gave us a million dollars day one up front for a three-year contract. Wow. And you think, uh, probably going to piss off some vendors now, <laughs> but, you know, wow. uh, if you don't ask for it, you don't get it. And, but but you've got to know that peer, that vendor group or the peer group, you, if you're associate people larger, you know what to ask for. But if you're just hanging out with guys your size, you don't know what to ask for. You don't know what, what pricing or benefits or what what's out there that you can get that's out there unless you do that and you keep on looking up higher and higher.
2: Yeah, I think there's a lot of value in um, already envisioning. You might think I'm crazy for saying this. Um, I've always kind of envisioned uh, this business at, at a certain level. I mean, we're we're a successful company, but I've always envisioned it as I'm never quite where I want to be yet with the offerings I want and the locations that I want. But I've always kind of thought this is what it's going to feel like when I'm there. This is what it's going to feel like when I'm there. And I've hit, <coughs> I've hit different levels. So I'm not saying yeah. that. And I've, but I've realized that once I got there, I was like, well, if I also offered this and was in now uh, Canada or if I was also in Australia, but I was starting to like envision those things and feel those things. And then I just started asking a bunch of, of questions. Right. Uh, and, and so I've said this even when we were talking, uh, when you guys were out here, uh, at the end of, or beginning of the year. You, everybody's willing to help right now. Like Everybody's willing to help somebody whether there's um, something to be from it you know, something comes from it or not. We had a, a customer of ours, a guy that was here for Rhino X, small guy, um, who was right around uh, 2 million when he was here. He implemented some of the things he had learned from, from Rhino X right. and he's pacing to 4 million and uh, he's got a healthy bottom line, whatever that means. Yep. Had a healthy bottom line. Certainly didn't share it with me. Healthy for him. However, he called me yesterday and or t- sent me a text message yesterday and just said, "Hey, I have a healthy bottom line right now. I know I'm going to lose it in <laughs> fall and winter." That's mm. what he said to me. Oh. So I said, "Have you met with anybody?" I said, "So um, I connected him with Chad Peterman, because mm-hmm. you know, Chad is, I think, yep. exceptional um, mm-hmm. with financials, and so and I know Chad is a good friend of mine. And so Chad, being the good guy that he is, said." Yeah, man, let me connect with to you. Are you willing to share your financials? I told him, you better be willing to share all your financials. He's like, yeah, man, I'm an open book. That kind of vulnerability is going to help him so much going into this. Year. And he was self-aware, you know, like, yeah, hey, I'm doing good now, but I know what's coming. So he's obviously recognizing some sort of patterns. Yeah. But what's cool about a guy like that, even though he's that small, as you can see, he came to the event. He was super quiet, yep. and he just was soaking things in, went back, actually did things, and now he's saying, it's good right now, but I know I'm about to have trouble and need help.
1: Yeah, that's great. And
3: it's great. I think it's important, you know, for those guys, you know, Leland will say this, you got to take just a couple of things and see what works. I mean, look, I had the luxury of talking to Chad. He's got a just a beast of a business there in <laughs> Indianapolis. I talked to him, you know, once in a while, and it's like, dou- he doubles every month, but he, he, you know, they're very into what's going on in the financial. And I think that was a big thing with, um, certainly with all the great operators and owners, um, but you got to get in the weeds. And I, I said that earlier, it's, use the better term than I did. I don't think I use the term. It's that vulnerability where, again, Leland specifically, Dave, you know, they're like, I mean, Leland thinks a 22% business in and out is broken, like all the time. It's always broken. He's like, this thing's broken. I'm like, I'm not sure it's broken. I think we could be better. But, uh, you know, he does laugh. But, I mean, there's always improvement. And if you, you know, you can have that thought, about your business hey how can I constantly be better versus hey what's well, just good enough yeah that's just not in any of our partnerships I would say all of our partners are like all go no quit how do we get better have fun doing what we're doing and that's kind of the joke I text out the regional directors Is like you know we're talking on the phones early is there this I'm like end of my texts are always like all go no quit but we're having fun nice but I think back to those financials are, like, challenge yourself all the time to be better. Yeah. The guy sitting across from me didn't get to where he was getting because he thought he was just okay at 22, he wants to be 25. At 25, he wants to figure out how to be 30%. There's a way to do it, or you can just say, hey, that that's a pretty good number. And I think that's the challenge for all the businesses out there. And people aren't
2: just getting lucky. I'm a big believer in, like, you know, luck is when preparation meets opportunity, you
3: know? I'd say the harder you work, the luckier you get. That's my opinion. I mean, <laughs> makes it sense is, to me. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> preparation, yeah, meets opportunity. That's it. Sometimes you got to create your own opportunity, but That's you it. you are responsible for your own prepara- yep. preparation. Yep. Oh, you have anything you want to add to that, man, or Leland? You have anything?
0: Yeah, you know, I want to ask two questions, <laughs> but one at a time. So two in a row, um, Leland. You mentioned vendors a couple of times. What role did vendors play throughout your journey and and really into your your plans for the future at Service Champions?
1: Um. The journey, not really, because I never knew that you could negotiate or you could mm-hmm. um, ask for things that you never even dreamed of. So going forward, I think creating relationships with vendors um, are good for the company, uh, good for the inv- investors and the bottom line. So I am um, I spend a lot of times talking to different vendors as we grow. What you negotiate at Hundred million is a little bit different when you're at four hundred million, and um, yeah, so, but it, it, it's got to be a win-win for both of them, though. They've got to be able to win. You can't take all their money, but you can take as much as you think you can get. <laughs> uh, Respectfully, the, the, the key thing is you've got to ask, and if they say no, it's okay. Then you might have hit a limit. Right? <clears throat> yeah, how are you gonna you if
2: you don't ask? Yeah, <laughs> you gotta find it.
0: I've always heard so many good things about you. Now I'm attributing it to you weren't negotiating for the first part of the 2000s. So everybody, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So follow-up question: um, When you sit down with a potential partner, a new company that you're going to acquire or partner with, what does the deal structure look like? Does it vary by different owners or different markets, or do you have kind of a playbook that hey, this is what it looks like to partner with us? Yeah, the playbook.
1: Frank can help me with this too, but it's pretty much the same. You know, like I said before, um, we don't try to lowball people. We pay pretty much the top end money. We know what's out there, and um, there's brokers out there that know what what people are paying. So we're not shy of paying the right price. Uh, we look for the company and see if it's going to be a fit for us, and. Um, And we're not stuck on the owner staying. If the owner stays, that's great. If the owner doesn't want to stay and and he's got a good staff, that's great. We're we're about ready to close here in a week or so of a company that uh, the owner wants to go and he's telling us they need a GM there. So Frank is really good. We've got one or two set up uh, waiting in the wings to go in, so we'll send somebody in. So each situation is different. Um, But as I tell them, when we're done, we have to be happy. It, it cannot be, I won, you lost. They have to feel that they won. Right. We have to feel like we won. Their employees and managers all have to be, feel like they won. And um, I encourage them to do what I did. Uh, when I closed, I gave bonuses to my key people. And I'm very happy to say that literally I have probably six multimillionaires working for me every day in the office that weren't that three years ago. But you yeah, that's know, pretty cool. I shared part of what I got because I didn't do it by myself right. and Frank and the other people, uh, a part of our team, I bonused them. They reinvested in the, in, in the company and then it paid out and they reinvested it again. And, uh, everybody's got to win. So if you ever create an environment that there's a loser, it's going to be a bad deal. So everybody's got to win.
3: I'd say Paul, you know, one other thing, you know, our, our partner, um, odyssey investment partners out of new york um we couldn't have a better partner they they literally i mean they are very transparent and they will look to leland myself daniel and katie and say here's what we think but at the end of the day you're running the business mm-hmm. like i mean we were very lucky uh, to run into a partner like that i mean we we got to sort through some but talking to these guys they let us run the business they have 30 years, you know, in M&A, they're managing nearly $7 billion in assets. So they have a little bit of background, but when it comes to, you know, finding the business, Leland just hit it for us. Deal structure is, is actually the easy part. You know, an owner's going to get a a big chunk of money up front, depending on, you know, I mean, big either way. Sure. And then they're going to probably reinvest. We, we like that. Yeah. We encourage that. We believe we've already done it once technically for Leland, he's, he's done it twice and we're going, you know, everybody wants to do it again. All the great, these great platforms are going to do it again. It'll be interesting to see who they partner with and how they get there, but we want them to help steward the business off and, and make it a good handoff. I mean, that's our big thing, but we have probably vetted that through the to Leland's point. Like we want a happy transition. We don't want people upset. We want them happy. And deal structures varied Leland's I think hit the nail on the head further with look we're not in there to lowball somebody like we're we are going to invest in premium businesses we're probably going to pay a premium we know what it is everybody knows who's playing in the in what market we know we know probably who we're <laughs> up against and they probably know they're up against us and where we at in the country and but we we want the right it's just like our teams it's just like the people on our teams we got to have the right personalities if it's a wrong setup, we will say no. We will leave that meeting and say, either great business, just don't see that working for us. Right. We are just not going to partner because the long-term success is the people. It, it it just is. And Odyssey knows that. They're just like, Frank, Leland, Daniel, Katie, what's the – like where, where's the trap door in this one? And mm-hmm. it's usually a, a personnel issue. But Odyssey, I, I just want to make sure I talk about them because – Leland says, who are you partnering with? Yeah, you're partnering with Service Champions and Leland and Frank and Katie and Daniel, but you're partner, partnering with a Odyssey is incredibly supportive of these deals and says, what do you see? Tell us what your expertise is with, you know, all these years you guys have in the industry, most of the people know Leland somewhere, you know, in, you know or they ran across them. It's amazing how many, but you got to have a great partner and there's a lot of great partners out there. We talk to you know our peers who have great partners, but mm-hmm. for us Odyssey's like ideal. they yeah. we have the money, write good deals. Let's grow the business, add good partnerships. Let's let's put a you know put a flag in the ground where we think we can build off of it. So I, I just like to talk about that because it's people also back to your original question like they don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. how does this work? Yep. <laughs> so still a misconception. Still oh, like totally. we've talked they don't about understand it like so it. many times on. Yeah. They don't understand it, and it's a behind-the-scenes transaction for us. At the end of the day, we have to run the business, but we lean on them for resources to say, like, "Hey, what do you think?" Or, "Look, we took two hundred, we took forty-five, and made it, you know, two (laughs) eighty. We're going to be at four hundred here in about mm, twelve days, you know, and we're trying to get to five hundred points on the yeah. (laughs) We're trying to get we're trying to get to five hundred. You know, Dennis Moore, who's he's a managing partner, he said. Hey, what Leland presses every single time, like, what's the goal? We are goal oriented. I think it's every call he's like, so what's the goal? Like, what do we have to get to? Like, what do we want to do here? And they said, can you double the business in 36 months? We're trying to do it in 12, but we're trying to do it with the right partners, right people. Yeah. Right people you
2: know what that, what's interesting that's parlayed into like all of the successes, if you think kind of back down to you talking about just paying the technicians exceptionally well. Right. Is uh, you're also taking care of your leadership team and, yeah. and you know t- treating them exceptionally well. There's like this cadence that I'm I'm seeing here that that happens to work. Uh, I think this is an exceptional story. Obviously, as you guys know from different conversations. I mean, I've been in the M and A market has been absolutely <laughs> insane the past let's just say year and a half for me. I've been yes, so sir. involved. I, you know, the, one of the biggest takeaways I've had from, well, I would say the biggest takeaway I've had from us now having this podcast a year and a half and it's success has come from the guests and what I've learned. I have so many notes and things and I keep everybody's sheet from every episode we've ever done. And so I've got reference things to go back and reference when something comes up, because there's probably not a topic I haven't hit. It just so happens that the mergers and acquisition space has become <coughs> really imp- and people still aren't getting it. That right. being said, I do believe this um, is helping people get it and they're reaching out more. You guys know, we've uh, made connections and things yep. like that as well. So I'm, I'm proud of those things. I'm not exempt from that. Right. You know, I get it. Um, I understand like, Hey, my business is super successful. Um, we have all these amazing things going on. Yes. There's a lot of private equity that reaches out. There's private capital. That reaches out. There's all these different variations of things. And for me, it's a, uh, what I've learned from my buddies who have also, you know, um, you know, been, been in partnerships is the, the money will be there. You have to know what you want to, to do. Do right. you want to, do you want to move on? Do you want to grow so, this thing? Because the way I was looking at it was all wrong on, I'm not, I don't want to sell my business. You don't have to, you actually, I, I like using the word partner because that's essentially what it is. If yep. you have a growth plan in place and you better have a growth plan in place, and you can find a good partner to help you execute that growth plan, but kind of keep your uh, values in place and your leadership in place and you want to do business with them. Yeah. Why not? Right. You know, why not? And, and that's to me is I didn't understand. If you asked me two years ago, I didn't get it. Yeah. I understand it very much so today. <laughs> that,
1: that
3: partnership piece is the, huge. That's the term we use. It's huge. It, it, we are all investors. Period. Like we're all investors. (laughs) Everybody knows the game. How do we find the right partners? And quite honestly, whether that be vendors or businesses we invest in, how do we find the right partners? I mean, it's... I like
1: to say one thing that people are concerned about what it would be like, or, or if they're ready to do it now, or maybe they should wait a year or two. I tell them constantly, it doesn't cost you anything to get a price. No, you might share some financials. It doesn't cost you anything. Then all of a sudden, you are talk to somebody, and you'll see a price that you might like. And you say no. Or if you like it, you say yes. Then you move on. But to get to that point of finding out what your business is worth, any of us, we spend the time with you, talk to you about it, share it with you. Then you make that decision, like you said. Would I be happy with this group? Would I be happier staying not selling? Do I have a chance that I could do this without you guys? So it's just a interesting thing to always, if you're interested or even close to it, get a price. People Mm will give you a price.
3: I I would say, I don't know if we really asked to do this, Chris, so I'll get in trouble after, you know, I mean, really, you know, I'd love to put, you know, Leland, you know, I'm going to, I know, look, I get to go to work with one of the greatest guys in the industry every day. Right. And And I had another one I got to spend, you know, a lot of years with, Yep, like, can we give his, you know, I, I say this, Leland's a big, you know, he's this huge proponent of coming in and visit our business. And look, honestly, I can say this, and he's sitting here, and he I, he has the right to correct me because I still say he's the CEO and he founded the business. <laughs> <clears throat> you want to come in and visit, whether it's you want a partner or you just want to learn about the business,
1: like, come okay, if
3: I give your email out or something, Leland? Sure. I mean, people, just ask us a question, even if it's not like, you may ask us about another partnership you want to, make. We aren't there to say, do this or do that. We can answer questions. We're glad to do those things. If people have questions, reach out to us, come visit, see what we're about. But even if it's not an M&A piece, or you just want to know, or you're unsure, Leland's always invited businesses in to do that. And I think it's the same thing with communication. You have a question, email the guy, email me. We'll it's not about, hey, let's oh great, we can get your our claws in you and see yeah. if you'll do something. Maybe it's just I'm unsure. Or can you tell us about it? Or hey, I'm taking all these calls, all these owners. You talked about M and A like being like on fire. I mean, we've heard of names we've never Ken Haynes said it in the meetings like our count was twenty-three. I think it was twenty-three more came in last <laughs> week, you know, doing this stuff in our industry. But yeah. I mean that sincerely. I get to work, you know, every day with Leland, but I think, you know, email Leland L Smith at service com and F DeMarco at service champions. We'll answer whatever question we can have. They always run through you. If they're yeah. your customer people, I've had more people from this podcast say, hey, I heard you and we visited companies. You know, I, it's not about plugging this place, but we want to help. Yeah, We want to help better an industry we've spent our entire lives in. If it's advice to somebody else, I mean, I get to tell a story, but. Leland's given advice to people we've ended up partnering with and it cost us more money, but, but he was so sincere about helping. Because well, I, learned,
1: I learned early on with a guy named Ron McCain back in CSG days, don't always be a taker. At that time I was a taker. I was learning and learning. So I've always let anybody who's asked, you want to come in the building, come in, walk around. You don't have to talk to me, talk to anybody you want. And we have people constantly coming in seeing what we do I'll try to help them. There's a company that we actually originally turned down a year or so ago. They came in for an entire day. And we sp- let them go through the whole place an entire day. A year later, they come back up, much more profitable. And we're, t- we're in the midst of trying to acquire, that, invest with them now.
2: A year, and h- You said a year and a half?
1: Yeah, a year and a half later, wow. and trying to invest with them. And they're a good company. They turned things around because of the visit. And we're very open to let people come in. I have for... 15, 20 years. If you want to come in, come in. So That gets back to sharing the financials. You share ideals. You just share because there's really no secrets to this. I mean, air conditioning, it is. The secret is do it every day. Do it consistently. Get, deliver the same product to the customer consistently, and they
2: see it. So people that are listening right now, <clears throat> I, I 100% know that this happens. Is they're too intimidated mm-hmm. to reach out.
1: I'm just an innocent old country boy from Kentucky, man.
2: <laughs> you said <laughs> just went to UK. By the way, Devin Booker went to UK. Oh, there <laughs> so you go. So. UK? Um, <laughs> Devin Booker. Um, so you, uh, if you're listening, don't be, you know, to reach out. Yeah. Like, he, they're telling you, reach out. Frank just gave out both of their emails. Um, and, again, like, obviously, you can always, if you'd rather us connect, you are happy to yeah. do it. Um, I, but don't be a wimp. Reach out I side.
3: I couldn't agree with you more. Two million to – 20 40 50 we we don't care we want to help people leland leland i'll say it again leland smith they've got these are like, just reach out to people everybody yeah. wants everybody to improve it's good for the industry it's good for what we're doing it's you know it's it helps you and your staff totally agree don't 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 be too proud
2: just call us perfect I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish with one question. I think we're probably about an hour and 10 minutes in, um, and this has been fantastic, guys, so thank you so much. There's a lot of little nuggets in here that are simple things that you can't say, oh, I don't have the money to do that, mm, so I right. can't use that excuse. Um, but last question, this one is geared towards you, Leland. Um, what do you want your legacy to be? I, had, I was asked this question one yeah. time, and I was like, I can't even see what that looks like just yet. But it really got me thinking about it at 40 years old, yeah. 42 now. But what do you want your legacy to be?
1: Um, I think my feeling is is that uh, I help people. And I didn't get where I am today without people helping me. And um, I'm still learning. I'm still getting advice. I'm still getting help. I like to think people that I've changed their lives in some f- fashion. Either I've made them millionaires, or I've made their staff have a better life. Um, just giving back, and I think I've always given back because I was always given to. And um, that's yeah, when I'm said and done, I just want people to have a good
2: thought. It goes, "Yeah, he helped me. He was a good guy, Yeah. and he helped me." Well, that's pretty simple, uh, the way when you say it, but it's actually not simple at all (laughs) because there's a lot to that well and you um you know it's it's not lip service um and I think that like Paul was saying you know you've never heard a bad thing about Leland Smith um and that's true and and I never heard anything I never I had never met
1: you haven't talked to my wife (laughs) 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 now when you guys now you
2: guys are going to get to talk to you know Anna later don't be asking these (laughs) questions about me but, um, you know, I, one, I appreciate what you've done for the industry, both of you, um, and I appreciate, um, you know, our long-term friendship and our new friendship, you know, and I'm super grateful for those things. And when you guys came to Rhino X, you sharing, you know, um, it, it means a lot to me. It means a lot to the industry. I think it's um, you do what you say you're going to do, and uh, and you're, you are genuinely trying to help everyone, which is why you took the time. There was no real gain for you coming here. I didn't pay you to come here. You came nope. on your own time to share your message, and again, I appreciate that.
1: I would say to the people that are looking to invest, uh, bring on investors, there's no wrong investor. Ken Haynes, Ken Goodrich, Dave Geiger's group, all good guys. I mean, nothing's wrong. You just got to figure out what's best for you because they're all good people. They all have best intentions for you. They're not going to mess you up. You just got to make a decision. Yeah. So everybody's a winner.
2: And ask. Ask all the questions. Yes. Don't, be, don't be shy. You know, I'll, I'll finish with this, too. And, and um, it's cool to kind of understand some of the similarities we have. It actually makes me feel good about the business that I'm <laughs> running. But um, when we do interviews with people, not that I get to do many interviews anymore, um, it's, we look at them as a uh, first, uh, who are you as a human being? And then what are your skill sets professionally? Ryan, you're new. Remember when I I got, did get to interview you? I asked you who I asked you a lot of questions about who you are as a human being first. I wanted to know who you are, what kind of guy you are, similar to what you guys have done. And then if you're a, a B, a C skill set, we can we can we can work on that. But the human being aspect of this business is still to me like the most important piece This you got to want to do business with who you want to do business. It's got to be fun. You want to do it with your friends. You want to do it with your body. That's the key. It's It's
1: got to be fun. Got to make you happy. I enjoy it every day.
2: Well, I appreciate you guys both so much, Frank Leland, um, coming on here, sharing your, your message. Um, Hopefully uh, we'll get you guys back on again at a, you know, at another point in time to hit on some other topics as we go along. Hopefully you guys will be open to that. Love to. Um, So appreciate you guys both coming on the show. Thanks for having us, Chris. All good to talk to you guys again and.
3: We, we appreciate you having us in.
2: Listeners, Thank you. if you listen, you're still here because, you know, you're hanging on like the words that these guys are saying. They got it right. This is sometimes can be as simple. But if you if you're like, hey, wait, I don't I need to understand more. Do exactly as they asked. Reach out. Connect with them. You might want to give it a couple of days because I know how it goes after these podcasts is, you know, you'll get you'll know, they already get bombarded with emails. But you'll hang in there, you know, and, and listen, persistence matters. Right. So if you email right. once, yep. maybe email a second time. Right. Um, I learned that early on in business. So, But again, listeners, we appreciate you so much. It's guests like these guys that come on that have made this thing so unbelievably popular of a podcast. And, I, and Paul and I are both grateful um, because we learn just as much as you learn. And we we're able to apply those things towards our business. And so um, you know, part of the thing that Paul and I really love is the reviews that come in from the podcast. It's really what reassures us that we're doing a good job with this and that our guests are delivering great content. So I want to share one real quick okay. before we go. And this is from... Oscar Dia 21, whoever that is. Um, Oscar Dia says, five stars, amazing guests, and great content. So I don't read these things ahead of time. Just so, so you guys know. <laughs> this is great. So here we go. Um, it takes it takes me almost two hours to cut my grass. First off. Brutal. Cutting grass is awful. You know, you're from the Midwest. Yeah. Uh, no, that. thank you. Uh, uh, it took me two hours to cut my grass, but I look forward to it every weekend because I get to sit on my ride on mower and listen to that's way easier. I had to push mower really? uh, ride on mower and listen to these amazing interviews that inspire, teach and fuel my desire to build something great. Uh, I don't know how you managed to pull off all these key people to come on your podcast, but p- please keep at it because they really do help. Um, thank you. Chris and tall Paul PS. I tell my three kids, Samuel, Edward and Catalina bedtime stories of characters that resemble their personalities in most of these stories there are other characters one of them is named Tall Paul <laughs> named after <laughs> yours truly <laughs> sadly in the stories Tall Paul happens to be the school bully <laughs> oh boy Paul <laughs> Not that's tracking. like the exact opposite of you the school bully that always gets in trouble for being mean So, Tall Paul, I hope you don't mind me using your name to teach my kids lessons about being nice to people. God bless. Thank you so much for those reviews. Guys, again, thank you so much, Tall Paul. See, that just made your day. Somebody's telling bedtime stories involving Tall Paul. Um, Paul is not the school bully. Paul is most likely the one who wants to talk through the problems with you. That's right. (laughs) But we appreciate you guys so much. Keep listening, and uh, until next time, take care. (laughs) Listeners, thank you so much again for listening to this podcast week after week. We are extremely grateful. Again, the whole purpose of this podcast is to give back to the home services industry that we love so much, whether you're a rhino or not. We really, really appreciate all the subscribers. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please go in and subscribe and you'll get all the episodes sent to you automatically weekly. Also, we have really enjoyed your feedback. Uh, It's so meaningful for us when we get to read the nice comments that you guys put. So keep doing that. And if you don't know how to do it, here's what you got to do. You search for To The Point Home Services on Apple Podcasts. You click on our profile, scroll all the way down to the bottom and hit write a review and be honest and share your story and how the podcast has impacted you and your business. Thanks again from the bottom of our hearts at To The Point Home Services Podcast. We appreciate you.